Welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is the show where we talk about truth and grace boldly. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, and welcome to episode 114 of Kindled. Today, I'm going to be talking with Laura Smith. And Laura is an author, and originally we were going to talk about parenting teen girls, but as our conversation drew nearer and the whole COVID thing became our reality, we decided to shift gears, and this conversation just was kind of what came out of discussing current events and what, specifically what God is doing in the midst of it. I know I'm not the first person to ask, God, what are you doing in this time in my life specifically and in the world as a whole? How are you going to use this? I want to see I want to see you in this despite the fact that I know you didn't cause the evil. You will not let it go to waste and you will redeem it in the lives of those who love you. And so that's kind of what Lauren and I are talking about today is how we're seeing it redeemed in our own lives and globally. And I pray that this will be an encouragement, especially coming on the heels of Easter, just the reality that a risen Christ means that everything is being made new. Everything ultimately that is sad is coming untrue. And that includes our today current circumstances of being quarantined and having this terrible virus that has spread around the world and has changed our lives probably forever. So with that, I will say no more and get right into my conversation with Laura. Well, Laura, thanks for making time to chat today in all of the craziness that is life right now. But of course, uh, it sounds like for you, you've you've had some some space in your life actually open up. Yeah, we have four older kids. So I have a 21 year old, an 18 year old, a 16 year old and a 13 year old, which means so much fun. And on a typical day, so much busyness. My husband and I have created a lifestyle that we call divide and conquer, um, which is the way we get everything done. So it means this parent takes this kid to the out of town soccer tournament while the other parent goes to this kid's all day play rehearsal. And it's all awesome and fun. And I love to see the things my kids are allowed to do and the way they're stepping into the gifts that God gives them. But our calendar literally went, we keep a whiteboard calendar in the kitchen as well as our like Google calendars. But the whiteboard calendar in the kitchen just kind of shows the family where everyone is on a given day or night. Mm-hmm. And it went from so many like smears and like words crammed into those little squares for every day into just empty mm. for March. Right. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I think a lot of us experience that too, just seeing the schedule melt away and at the same time uh, as feeling sadness over the loss of a lot of things, it, there's definitely been a lot of joy and relief and freedom in the fact that it's like, man, we have nowhere to go. We have nothing to do, you know? I mean, while that I know is sort of like can provide a moment of freak out for some moms who thrive in activity and structure and, you know, having things to do. I know that a lot of us have also experienced a lot of sweetness and just the time that we yeah. often don't feel like we have. Definitely. I know like I'm dealing it um, two-handed. One hand, my, especially my older kids are suffering a lot of loss as um, like my senior in high school, his prom is currently not going to take place. And we're not sure what's going to happen with graduation and his senior track season and things like that are really disappointing and hard. But I also see like he was praying for the two weeks before all this hit that he could have more rest. Every night as we would pray Mm -hmm. as a family, he'd be like, I just praying for rest. And 
I see like God answered that prayer, even though it's probably not in the way he hoped for, but I do see some relief and not setting the alarm at 545 every morning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a gift. We're all better rested. And I think help mentally more healthy as a result of that mm-hmm. and physically more healthy as well. And just not on that stage of constantly running from this thing to that thing, to that thing, to that thing. A lot of days my yeah. kids wouldn't get home for the day until eight thirty or at nine at mm-hmm. night and having leaving the house at six thirty, that is a long day. Really long. And that's packing their backpacks up with, you know, their cleats and their change of clothes and snacks and stuff to get them through the day. And now it's like, okay. Uh, it's just it's just like an exhale. Yeah, I was talking last night with my husband about just some of the loss that I have felt through this season so far. Yesterday was supposed to be like my uh, my daughter that's going to kindergarten this fall. It was supposed to be kindergarten roundup. And I was just sad. Like, man, I really wish I was looking forward to that so much, getting to learn more about the school and the teachers and see her get excited and all these things and just sort of like, man, when your heart feels sad and yet it's like in relation and in comparison to all of the pain and suffering that so many people are going through with job losses and health. And, you know, I know that that's little, I know that it's small, but it doesn't invalidate it. And no, it's still real. It's still real. And God still is with me in that, you know, and it's like the promise of his um, peace in that moment is not it's not like I get a smaller percentage of peace because my problem is less big, you know? And so it's, I'm kind of just trying to kind of wrap my mind and heart around the idea that like, I have so much to be grateful for and I am, I am so grateful, but there's also a lot that is sad, you know, in in regards to this whole situation that, yeah, just trying to kind of process through all of that. Yeah. And I think your example is such a cool one because you're heart is sad and disappointed because you wanted that for your daughter. Mm -hmm. And that's how God sees you too, right? Like he wanted that for his daughter. And so, you know, the way you're feeling disappointment because you love her and you want all that excitement for her and you Mm -hmm. want her to be geared up for this new adventure and God sees you and he's sad and disappointed for you because he wants you to have all that excitement. He wants you to have everything. He wants us to enjoy all the wonderful things. That's his, Mm -hmm. his dream and his plan for us. So I think it's, it's totally fine and healthy to even like call out the disappointment and say, yeah, this stinks. It does that you're not Mm -hmm. having this thing. It stinks that my son's senior track season is not currently happening. It stinks. And I I'm telling him like, I I'm so sorry. This is really sad. I wish I could change it, but just like, I can't change it for my son, but I can try to do what I can to love him well and trust God with the rest. God is doing all kinds of things to love us well in the midst of these disappointments. Yeah. It's such a like tangible, like it's a palpable feeling that we have because I think what this virus and what this situation for me and I'm seeing in, you know, the bigger picture of the body of Christ, like with within the lives of my friends and in my community, my church community is I'm seeing like the reality that we know, you know, as believers, we know that sin has broken everything and sin, we live in a sinful world that is, is not the way that God intended. It's not the way he designed it. This is not how things are supposed to work. This is not how bodies are supposed to work. You know, and there's so much that is broken in the midst of this world that we live in. And yet we can 
self-medicate. We can numb the pain of the reality of sin. We can hide from it. We can run from it. We can book ourselves till we're blue in the face, you know, fill our calendars with things to do and just activityize in a sense our entire existence to where we almost just don't have to feel the reality of broken relationships and the way that sin is, has affected those, just all the different things that people are facing. Like we, even as believers sometimes can do the very same thing the world does, which is buy our way to happiness, you know, book ourselves to oblivion. Yeah. And yet this virus has kind of put all of that on hold. Like it has removed our ability to just fill that emptiness with one more night out with the girls or which, you know, isn't a bad thing, but it's not an option. And it has removed our ability to just go walk the aisles at Target endlessly and with no thought to anything because now there there are concerns about going out in public for no reason. Like you really need to be careful with that. And so it's just, it's removed all of this fluff in a way and the activities and the things that we filled our time with and soccer and this and that, like all the things that were going to be my next month and even good things. Like uh, none of those things are necessarily bad, but it has removed our ability to self-medicate, like I said, against yeah. sin. And so I, I just think everything that it was already true and already real about the world, we're all feeling it a lot more. It's, it's a lot more raw. There's nothing to cover over all of that with. It's just the raw feeling of this is not the way it's supposed to be. And that was always true, but now we all have to face it. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I totally hear you. And as you're saying like that, like can't cover it up. I'm literally thinking back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve first ate the fruit. The first thing they did was hid like to cover up their naked bodies. And God said, I want you to be naked and unafraid. Like that's how he designed us. Mm -hmm. Not covered up by all this stuff. And you don't have Mm -hmm. to take that as clothes. It can be metaphorical, right? Like not covered up by the busyness. And um, I feel like it's being like, it's being stripped away. And I know that COVID-19 is evil. And I know that it is not of God because he does Mm -hmm. not create evil things. Um, It is a bad thing. It is an awful thing. So God did not create this thing. But I also know that our good, good father can take anything as he promises in Romans 8, 28 and turn it for good. Um, And I see him doing that. I see him stripping away the distractions, getting us back to our families and our relationships, whereas we might've even avoided harder conversations or even if, gosh, I think our society in general avoids deep conversations. Texting is so much easier than a phone call. We, Mm -hmm. We don't go deep very often or with very many people. But with less distractions, we are feeling more, which is good and natural. And God designed us with those feelings and opening up time for conversations with the people we live with. I think most of your listeners are moms, but if we have any single people living by themselves, like I know I've been trying to call my single friends or people who live by themselves and they're having to face some stuff too, being on their own. And um, I think the conversations I've had with them have been so great over the last few days, just because we've been diving straight into the important stuff. Right. Yeah. There's like the pretense is gone. You don't have to pretend like, yeah, everything's fine. Cause everyone knows it isn't all fine. You know, like right. no, <laughs> nobody's fine. Like, I mean, and, and not to say there isn't goodness and that we're not being taken care of by God, but the reality is like, I think it would just be such a waste 
to not use this opportunity in our own hearts to really ask God, like, what are you doing here in me? Yeah. What are you doing in my life and in my heart through this? Like you said, because he's not the author of evil and he didn't create this virus. And there's a lot of Christians right now who, who might actually disagree with that statement uh, and, and view this as like the judgment of God. But I tend to not view it that way, but rather as just a result of the sinful, broken world that we live in. And there's always been sickness, you know, and we're going to go there. It's like, well, the flu killed more people so far in this same time period than COVID-19, you know, right. and cancer still exists. So how, where do you draw the line between saying like, oh, it's a judgment of God versus no, this is the result of a sinful world, but God is going to use it for good in the lives of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Cause the Bible says that. Well, and as you say, you know, there's always been disease. Yeah. There's always been disease and praise God. Jesus has always been a healer. Mm-hmm. Amen. So yeah. I see him healing us through this. And I know, I know there will be people who won't be physically healed from the virus. I mean, we see that that's happening and it's tragic um, and they're on my heart and I'm praying for them and I'm praying for um, the medical field and chemists and everyone just that this disease can be eradicated. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I see God doing so much healing. The water in Italy is so much clearer right now because there's no pollution. And the mm-hmm. air in China is 25% less carbon dioxide than I think it was three months ago. Like our air is getting clear. God is literally healing the planet. I think he's healing families. Yeah, I think he's taking something that is bad and hard. And he's just, he's really creating a lot of healing because that's who he is. Yeah. That's crazy. Isn't that just mind blowing? Like that he is capable of doing that. Yeah. It's just the upside down kingdom. Like again, it's showing itself in every corner. You, you almost can't not see it. And I know that's the work of the Holy spirit in our uh, spiritual eyes, you know, to enable us to see the good, even in the midst of a lot of pain and suffering. But I think it just, what it does for me too, as you're talking, I just keep thinking of what enables all of that to be possible. What enables God to turn evil and actually use it for good is the death of Jesus on the cross. Like the fact that Christ did die for us and the fact that that like the gospel makes that all possible, you know, because that was his rescue plan and he's still working that out. Before our very eyes, like I was listening this morning to, I'm doing like the daily Bible reading plan with Tara Lee Cobble and I am days and days behind. So I was just listening through <laughs> and um, this whole, this kind of threw off my rhythm, but I was, I was in, I think somewhere in Deuteronomy and just listening to like the retelling of the story of, you know, the Israelites coming out of Egypt and then wandering in the desert. And then the people like literally seeing God's hand work right before them and yet still grumbling and still complaining and still missing the point the whole time. And you're so frustrated. Like, are you guys serious? You know, now you're not going to see the promised land because you couldn't get some perspective. And, you know, and yet at the same time, I was like thinking all of that. I was like, but that's us too. Like we are them and we are seeing the deliverance of God in a lot of areas. Like you were just describing, we're seeing his salvation being worked out and his rescue plan just being worked out before our very eyes. And yet we grumble, you know, yet we question and we are dismayed and we stay there. So 
what's kind of your perspective on that and, and where we're at in the rescue plan of God? So can I read from Galatians 1 for a second? Of course. Okay. So this is the message translation, but Galatians 1, and because the message kind of paraphrases, this is verse four or five, however you want to see it, but it says, Jesus Christ rescued us from this evil world we're in. By offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins, God's plan is that we all experience that rescue. Glory to God forever. Like this has always been God's plan. Like you said, he wanted to rescue the Israelites out of Egypt and they were too hard-headed to see it. But Paul was writing this letter to the church in Galatia, which is modern day Turkey, 2000 years ago. And he's saying, there's one plan. This is what God wants to do. He wants to rescue us. And he died for us to do that. Like he's reaching out his hand. Will we take it? Mm-hmm. Will we take it? So right now there is awfulness in the world, but hasn't there always been? I don't know. I'm currently reading a World War II novel, which I'm a Francophile, so I love everything said in France. But mm-hmm. as I'm reading that with our current times, I'm like, but the people who are living in Europe now are having a terrible time being quarantined, but they also went through so much during World War II and World War One. Like mm-hmm. they have, keep surviving these awful things because God's plan is always to rescue us from all of it. That's his plan. And when he does this, when he's like, okay, I'm going to clear your calendar for you. He's like holding out this invitation to us. Like I cleared off your calendar. This is an invitation for you to find peace. Mm -hmm. This is an invitation for you to hang out with me. When you said you were too busy to read your Bible or to pray, this is an invitation to look around and see the beautiful world I've created that you've been so busy to see. This is an invitation to love your family better, to talk to your spouse, to get to know them again, to fall in love with them again. This is an invitation to snuggle up with your kiddos when you feel like you haven't had time. Will you accept the invitation? Yeah. Here it is in our mailboxes and beautiful calligraphy right on that thick, heavy paper, like a wedding invitation. He's sending it to us like, I'm here to heal you. That's what I do. I'm a healer. I want to rescue you. That's always been my plan. Will you RSVP? Yes. (laughs) Right? Yeah. That's our choice in this time. Now, can we choose if we get sick or not? No, we can wash our hands. We can quarantine. Yes. Can we choose if we're out of income right now? No, a lot of people are out of income right now and that is awful, but we can choose what to do in those circumstances. We can choose to reach out and grab God's hands and let him pull us out and let him show us his glory and let him show us how he is so faithful. Um, Hebrews 11 verse one, this is in LT says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. I think, you know, and even in the disappointments and the things that have been removed from our calendar, while we know those, like, like you said, that is an invitation into something new. And, and a lot of us have complained about being too busy to find quiet time or time with God. And here it is like, here's your, here (laughs) is your wide open schedule, but even in the sadness and the just disappointments, I I don't know of a better word, but just like, I'm just so disappointed with a lot that has even just Bible study groups that I had going on that were so life-giving. It's like, Oh, I'm just disappointed. And those are good things, but I can't do those right now. I think that God is using those places of sadness and 
you know, this little hole in my heart in a way to allow me to invite him into that place instead of just kind of filling that with what I would normally fill it with. Like if I'm disappointed that this group can't meet, well, I'll go find another group. You know, I'll go find another friend who's available. Like now it's just, like I said earlier, like there's nobody to fill it with. Like it's either going right. to be my husband or my kids or, you know, maybe a, maybe a text or a phone conversation, but it's like, there's really, there's really no other choice, but to either you can choose to kind of stay isolated and, and spiritually isolate from God, or you can invite him into that emptiness mm-hmm. and he can actually fill it with his presence with the Holy spirit. And I think that we just, we have so many excuses and it's so much easier to invite other things into that space that we often, even though we, we really do desire to know God, it's just easier to know people and it's easier to know the person across the coffee shop table from us or, or whatever it may be, even that random person on Instagram, it can feel easier to connect in that way than it can spiritually with God. And you know what? I think that's just a lie the enemy keeps whispering to us. Yeah. Because I'm listening to you and I'm like, yeah, it's it feels easier to me to grab mm-hmm. a handful of chocolate chips or to flip <laughs> open Instagram than to close my eyes and pray. But yeah. closing my eyes and pray doesn't take any more effort than touching my phone or grabbing a handful of chocolate chips. Right. Like, I think that is a lie that the enemy has told us for so long that we believe it, that it's somehow hard to connect with God. It's not. He's right here. He's closer than our skin. Mm-hmm. He loves us. He's for us. He does. It, he, it's not hard to connect with him. We close our eyes. We have our eyes open. We can be jumping rope and God is there. Like it does. It, he is with us always. So all we have to do is call out mentally or verbally to say, hey, I need you. God, I don't have words. God, this is confusing. God, I'm I'm so disappointed. God, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. And immediately, just in the name of Jesus, the enemy has to flee. And I feel an instant peace. I feel an instant peace just saying that out loud to you right now. But I think the enemy has tried to trick us for so stinking long, and I'm sick of it, that it's easier to fill that hole with something else because the hole, God put it there on day one, and he designed it so that he could fill it for us because he loves us and he wants us to be full and happy. He doesn't want us to be empty. Mm-hmm. None of those other things are ever going to fit. It's like putting a you know, square peg in a round circle. Absolutely. Yeah. As you were speaking just there, it was reminding me of Joel too. God is talking to his people and he, it's the Lord is replying to them. I guess he's speaking to like the children of Israel. And this is actually all. So Joel 2, verse 23, be glad people of Zion rejoice in the Lord, your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before the threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years. The locusts have eaten the great locust and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm. My great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full and you will praise the name of the Lord, your God, who has worked wonders before you. Never again will my people be ashamed. Mm -hmm. And just hopping down a little bit further to verse 32, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved for on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. And so I love this passage because that verse 25 is just so poignant for me that he says, I will repay you for the the years the locusts have eaten. It's not that God is saying, I owe you. It's not Mm -hmm. like he owes us, but 
even where there has been loss and there has been clearly a loss of crops and of profits and of food and of fullness, like he is going to restore what has been lost because that's, he's a restoring God and he is a generous God. And Mm -hmm. even though we don't deserve it, even though there's nothing we could do to earn that repayment or to earn the blessing and the favor of God with our good acts or our righteousness or anything, that's what he does for his children. And it's just like you or I would, you know, if we, if we knew that our kid had suffered a loss, whether, you know, somebody stole their toy or somebody took their lunch, like we would of course replace that, you know, don't worry. Like I will give you another one. I will get you another lunch. You know, I will, I will buy you a new toy that that person stole from you. Like I I don't want you to actually be in lack, like, and that's such a silly example because everyone's like, well, of course, but you know, this is so much bigger. But it's the exact same. Like God is our father and he does not leave us in this place of lack forever. So while we are experiencing a lot of loss, I truly believe, while I don't, while I, I am not saying, you know, I'm this is not a Joel Osteen message of God's gonna give you double, double blessing or double portion <laughs> after all of this. Like that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying that what has been lost will not be lost forever. And while the repayment or the restoration may not look exactly like what it did before, may not look exactly like what you've prayed for, God is not in the business of withholding good gifts from his children. Exactly. Exactly. Now, as you were saying all that, I was thinking of like, if your kid was sick on their, when they were supposed to have their birthday party, you'd be like, don't worry. Like, I will make this up to you. And that doesn't mean that they have that same birthday party and maybe not all the same kids can attend, but you love your child and don't want them to miss out. And so you will Mm -hmm. create another celebration of their birthday. So it might not be exactly the same. In fact, it probably won't be, but it will probably, when God does it, it will definitely be even better, which we can't imagine because our brains can only see earthly. We have limited perspective, but somehow out of all this, what he will pay back will be even better, which is just this beautiful promise of yeah. who he is. And as you were saying before, no, we can't earn this mm-hmm. and because we don't have to because Jesus earned it for us. Yeah. Right. There is nothing we can do. It's not like God owes it to us, but he owes it to Jesus, his son who died. Yes. Taking all this in. And because when he looks at us, he sees Jesus, which still just blows me away. Then God wants to shower us with all of the blessings and goodness and love and hope and joy and peace that he showers on Jesus. Yeah. And that's, and that is, that's worth trusting in. Like that's worth believing in and worth actually risking. That's worth risking everything for, because like what better hope could we have? I mean, there is really no better hope we could have than to trust and know that we are as precious to God as his own son, Jesus, because Jesus died for us mm-hmm. and we've been grafted in, you know, and, and while we may not be descendants of Israel and we may not be the people of Zion that were originally being written to, we are, we've been grafted into the family of God because of Christ. And so, you know, there is no slave or free. There is no Jew or Greek. Like, you know, if you have called upon the name of Jesus, you are in, you're in the family. And so it's just incredible that we all have those rights of being in his family now because of what Christ has done. Yeah. So as we're kind of talking about that, I mean, I just am thinking of how this provides us such a unique opportunity. This whole situation with the virus provides us a really unique position in relationships with those who are not believers. 
in having this common experience, this common ground, kind of we're all starting from this like baseline in a sense of like, we are all in this and we're all in this together and we've all experienced it and there's been loss and all this pain and suffering we've all been, been taking part in. And yet we have a better hope than a vaccine, a better hope than even like even healing. Like we have a better hope than that. And if that never comes, we can have hope and can have joy because of Jesus. So how are you, maybe this would be a good way to ask it. Like, how are you using that or thinking of using that in your relationships with those who don't know Jesus now? Because I I mean, it's really fun and and exciting and like just brings peace to my heart to talk with you about this. But I, I know that I have a burden to like do more than just kind of talk with my Christian friends about what God's doing. But use this in a, as sort of a, a pivot in a way to change conversations, uh, you know, that I might have with those in, on my street, even like my actual neighbors about what's yeah. going on. Yeah, no, I think it is. I think, you know, Jesus talks about the harvest being ripe. Um, when he's talking to the disciples, I think right now the harvest is ripe. People are hungry and they are scared and they want to have something to hope in. And we we can tell them what it is because we know the truth, mm-hmm. but like we could tell them there is a hope and his name is Jesus. I think social media is something that has not been affected at all by the virus and the fact that it's still running quite fine. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an awesome opportunity for us to share joy and hope and light and positive messages instead of despair and grief and fear. I think we can post that our church is live streaming or how I know one of the guys at our church keeps posting every day. How can I pray for you? Honestly, tell me what I can pray for. Like I would pray for you. I know personally on my social media, I've been a little, um, I'm always pretty overt about my faith, but I'm like, what would stop me now? What, what are you afraid of sharing your faith with? Is is someone going to judge you? Um, well, Jesus already loves you. So like who cares? And you have this beautiful thing. You have hope for them. Why would you not share that with people you care about? Yeah. Um, Why would you not? And like, yeah, to neighbors, we're out in our neighborhood a lot because we're allowed to be outside and I have four big kids and we all need to be outside, but we're walking the streets or going for jogs. And it's just a, you know, yesterday was gorgeous and sunny. So it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just thanking God for this gorgeous sunny day as you pass them, you know, Mm -hmm. it's an easy, quick thing. You didn't necessarily convert them, but you gave them something positive to focus on. Mm -hmm. You told them that your reason for having the positive attitude was because of God. Right. I think there's just some quick, easy things. I think it's calling on a friend and saying, how are you doing? I'm just checking on you. You know, I've been praying for you. Is there anything specific I can be praying for you about as you get off the phone call? Same with emails. I always try to put on emails like, hey, anything specific I can be praying for you? Mm-hmm. And people right now, they're thinking, yeah, actually mm-hmm. there is. And, yeah. you know, it's just, I think it's an opportunity for us to also stop being timid with our faith. I think the enemy also lies about that, that um, if we're bold about our faith, that people are going to think we're weirdos, but people who love us are going to love us anyway. And people who think we're weirdos, then they probably didn't love us that much anyhow. They probably thought that already. (laughs) Right. And quite frankly, I kind of think I am a bit of a weirdo. (laughs) I hope we're all a little silly and a little goofy. And I think we all think and act a little differently. And I think that's actually what makes us all so awesome. So Yeah. And the Bible already has told us like, because the world hated Jesus, like the world will hate us too. Um, It doesn't mean everybody 
literally hates you, but it just means like when darkness hates light, like darkness mm. rejects and, you know, cowers really in the light. And so that is where you get that feeling of like, but people are not going to like me to say what is true, or I don't think people want to hear hope. Well, that's, you know, you might be right in a way, like the darkness in them or the evil in them that they might've given some of themselves to does kind of um, revolt at that. But at the same time, like we know that they are thirsty for the exact same thing we're thirsty for. Mm-hmm. And and yet they've just been that doing that self-medication and filling all those holes with, you know, with the square peg in the round hole, like you said earlier, like it's never going to actually plug the leak. Mm-hmm. Like it is still, you are still whatever. It's, it's never going to be full. Well, and God's plan for rescue is for all of us, said Galatians. And your reading from Joel was that it is for everyone. Like mm-hmm. it's not exclusive just because our neighbor or our friend has never opened a Bible or never really had a conversation about Jesus before or never walked in a church does not mean that this plan isn't for them. It is. God created them. He created them in his image. He loves them. Whether they know him or not does not stop him from loving them. And all he's waiting again is for them to open up the invitation he sent them an RSVP, but maybe they don't see the invitation or they can't read the invitation. They need us to hand deliver it or open the envelope or translate yeah. a line or something for them, you know? And yeah. Yeah. We, we don't have to feel responsible for converting people. No. God will do that. He loves everyone and he's going to try to bring them to him. Mm-hmm. Just like we want our kids to like, you know, jump into our arms if we want to give them a hug, but we can shine light for them. We can be the salt and light of this earth. And yeah. we, like I said, we can be beacons of hope. And even if that's just a hopeful attitude, a kind attitude, uh, asking a neighbor if they need anything from this, I'm going to the store, I'm putting in a click list. Do you need anything? Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll notice, maybe they'll wonder why in a time when so many people are hoarding, is she offering to give me some of her groceries? Mm-hmm. Why in a time when everyone seems to not even look each other in the eye, are they going out of their way to wave and smile and talk? Like maybe it'll just spark that interest in where is their hope? Mm-hmm. And we, you know, could have the awesome opportunity to tell them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I also think, like you said earlier, there's always been sickness. There's always been disease, right? Like there's always been death and there always will be until Jesus comes back in the new heavens and the new earth. Like we know that we, we kind of have the trajectory of like, this is set. This world is passing away. It's fine. It's not, it's fine. It's not permanent. And so, and health is not permanent. And so those things have always been realities that everyone kind of just accepted and knew. But I think what this virus has done is again, made that so in your face and so unavoidable and just such a raw working out of the reality that was already beneath the surface that it has brought to the forefront this ability to have a very forthright conversation even with someone easily. Like I think you could easily have a conversation with someone who you don't even know what they believe about the world or about God or faith or anything and be like, this just doesn't seem like this, this isn't really how it's meant to be, is it? Like, this is not, this feels wrong. Why do you think that is? Like, what, what is it about us that sees something that causes such devastation and suffering and goes like, this isn't how it's supposed to be? Why not? You know, and to actually launch into a conversation about what you believe, like, I actually think that what it's meant to be like is this, and that this is actually an opportunity for us to point to the ultimate plan of God to restore and that it isn't going to remain this way forever. And it's just giving us like this very kind of easy, I'm not saying it's easy in the circumstance of what we're living in, but an easy opportunity to kind of create a conversation around the things that have always been true 
but now we have this like springboard. Now we have this, like this automatic end, because we know that this person has experienced the same fear that we have, the same uncertainty. And yet we have a hope, you know, and Bible also says like, be able to give an answer for the hope that you have, the hope that is within you. And so how can we do that? How can we give an answer for the hope that we have, you know, and just kind of thinking about, like you said, whether that is just kind of smiling and waving, or if someone is talking to you about like very deep philosophical things to actually go there with them, you know, and, and offer them the hope that you have or, or tell them about your own hope. So yeah, I just think we, I think we will see a lot of that in the coming weeks and months. Like it may feel a little bit early to have some of those conversations yet because people are like still in their homes and stuff. But as we start to, you know, kind of get to the next phase of this, like, I really think we will all be given a lot of opportunities like we are talking about here to engage with people. And so I think it's just having our eyes open. And I also think it's important to remember, we don't have to have all the answers. Like we don't have to have scripture memorized and we don't have to have the perfect verse. If we know Jesus, if we know that he is our savior, that's all we need. Um, We know he is our hope and our light. And of course, the more we're in our Bibles, the more ways we can point people back to some of those truths. But honestly, if someone just says, why are you so hopeful? You can say, well, because I believe in Jesus. Like there, you didn't have to have a sermon. You didn't have to go to seminary. You don't need to be like theological, like Tozer or, you know, I mean, you can just, if you love Jesus, you're qualified. Mm -hmm. Like the disciples were the least qualified. Paul says in the letter of Ephesians, like I was chosen, but I am the least qualified to do this. We don't need certain qualifications. We just need to love Jesus. And if we have that, then we can be the beacon of hope. Yeah. So good. Man, is there any any final words of kind of encouragement or just admonition for listeners as we are moving into our days, which probably all look very similar and, you know, feel mundane and a little bit sometimes of a letdown, you know, I mean, this is the reality we're in right now. It's not forever. Like you said, it's not permanent, but what would be like an encouragement for people kind of sending them out? So I was actually journaling about this yesterday that it's okay to feel pain and loss and sadness and disappointment. And I was actually reading when Lazarus dies and Jesus goes and um, Mary and Martha approach him and Jesus is really upset and sad. Jesus cried and he knew what he was going to do. He, mm-hmm. he knew he was about to raise Lazarus. He even told his disciples on the way there. They're like, shouldn't we go now? He's like, no, no, we're going to wait. Cause I'm going to like show mm-hmm. off God in the most spectacular way. Bear with me. He knew his plan all along was to raise Lazarus from the dead, but yet he still wept. He allowed himself to feel the pain of loss, even with hope. And we can do that as Christians too. We can be like, okay, I know Jesus has this. I know Jesus is a healer. I know Jesus raises the dead to life. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives. Scripture promises it to me. I know this. Mm -hmm. Like, so I think that's allow yourself to cry, allow yourself to be sad, but don't stew in it. Don't steep in it because literally he cries. And then the next minute he raises Lazarus from the dead. So I think that is our calling as Christians too. Yes, God sees our disappointment. Just like if my kids are sad, I want them to climb on my lap. Well, when they were younger, I'd have them climb on my lap. Um, I want them to come and talk to me. I want to be able to hold them. I want to be able to listen to them. But then I also want to help point them back to Jesus, who is their hope and light. So as believers, we can feel the pain. That's cool. God doesn't care. In fact, he wants us to talk to him about that. 
Yeah. He wants us to come to him and share that. But then he wants us to turn our eyes back on him, to lock eyes with Jesus and see that he is the light of the world, that he is a healer, that he is faithful, that his plan is to rescue us and grab his hand and let him pull us back up. Yeah, that's so good. I have to add in too that verse 35, Jesus wept is the shortest verse. And then verse 36, before he raises him, it says, after Jesus wept, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Mm. And it's like Jesus weeping was not in vain because Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead. He, the Jews saw that he was human. It was evidence of his humanity that, and that he actually had a heart that loved and that he loved this man. And so I think like that is just an encouragement to me to not try and brush off the sadness or the pain or the reality of that there are disappointments and that people are hurting and not to pretend like those things aren't real, but to actually sit with them in that and to enter into that and to be sad with people and to, you know, and to give them space to feel all those things because through that, they will see that, you know, not that I love those people, but that actually God loves them. It points to Jesus. It points to the fact that God doesn't just offer us like a quick solution and and completely ignore or avoid our messiness and the sadness and the hurt that we have, but he actually loves us in that and through that. And I just think that's such a beautiful way for us to love others, you know, is to, Mm -hmm. to cry with them. And, and yet also, like you said, not stay there. Yeah. 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 So good. Thank you so much, Laura. Oh, thank you. This has been really good for my soul to just process all this and talk about this. And I think that's a lesson to all of us that we need to be talking about it. And we need to be talking about the pain and the loss and the joy and the hope. And um, as believers, yes, like you just said, allow ourselves to feel and allow anyone we know to feel. And then as believers point ourselves back to Jesus and to our non-believing friends and family to try to shine some of Jesus's hope and light on them. Yeah. Where can people connect with you online in this, in this time of social distancing? Like you said, social media is still open. So <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Um, my website is laurasmithauthor.com and that's my Instagram as well. Laura Smith author. And I promise to put lots of hope and joy in both of those places. Yeah. That's awesome. Great. Well, we'll link all that in the show notes so people can find you easily. Awesome. Man. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening this week, you guys. I hope that you will come find me on Instagram and say hi. I'm at HaleyWilliams.Kindled. You can always shoot me an email as well at Haley, H-A-L-E-Y at KindledPodcast.com. You can leave a review for Kindled on the podcast app. That's always so appreciated. And I read every single one. Love to hear from you guys and hear how the show impacts you and just how it's encouraging you. Because while I do have a show editor, I am a one girl production over here and I don't have a lot of feedback on this side of the mic. So I love to actually interact with you guys, especially on Instagram. That's obviously my social media of choice, obviously. So come find me over there. I hope you guys have a great week. I'll see you next Monday.